The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, going back all the way to 2008, you know what to do. Go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Come on, stop delaying it. You'll never get this information via the mainstream media. Give yourself the gift of truth. Tonight, we will have an in-depth discussion on humanity's Anunnaki origins and the Anunnaki battle for an intelligent versus enslaved humanity. Was humanity genetically engineered by an Anunnaki scientist? Were the concepts of sin and the inferiority of women part of the plan to keep humanity underdeveloped clashing with the gods, as well as humanity's long history of conflict? Has the concept of good and evil duality never truly existed, and it has been only enemy gods fighting and implicating humanity in the wake of their own competition for power? Tonight's discussion will give us a full psychological understanding of how the ancient gods have shaped humanity's ongoing history of conflict so we can move beyond the framework of my God versus your evil. Having this knowledge will help us steer our own planetary destiny. All of this and much more with tonight's special guest, Dr. Chris H. Hardy, right now on Veritas. Dr. Chris H. Hardy, Ph.D., holds a doctorate in ethnopsychology a cognitive scientist and former researcher at Princeton's Psychophysical Research Laboratories. She has spent many years investigating non-local consciousness through systems theory, chaos theory, and her own semantic field theory. The author of many research papers and published books, including The Sacred Network. And the latest, DNA of the Gods, The Anunnaki Creation of Eve and the Alien Battle for Humanity. It is a number one bestseller on Amazon. And to learn more about Dr. Hardy and her work, we have links on our website. And directly from Avignon, France, I'm privileged to welcome Dr. Chris Hardy. Good evening, Dr. Hardy, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Uh, hello. Hello, Mel. I'm uh, very, very fine here in France. I'm very happy to be on Veritas. Oh, it's my pleasure. Glad to have you on, especially when we'll be discussing the who are we and where do we come from questions. 
Let's start with the foundation of our discussion. According to the Sumerian tablets, where do we come from? Where do we begin as a species? Uh, we had uh, uh, some kind of uh, a human species, uh, which uh, who was living on a nomad planet, and uh, who happened at one point, uh, com- uh, according to the tablet, something like uh, uh, 400. 50,000 uh, years ago, who happened to uh, get uh, into the uh, court, into the um, gravitation field of uh, our uh, solar system. And so uh, the, their nomad planet started to get into, uh, and they describe this very well in uh, in the Sumerian tablets, I mean, Sumerian, you know, is a is a generic term because we have uh, something like six or seven different languages, and we have uh, tablets that are on clay, and uh, dating back uh, to uh, 3,500 years old, uh, the the oldest one we have uh, uncovered until now because we keep uncovering some. So basically, you had this. Uh, uh, species called the uh, Nibirian on this planet Nibiru, and at one point, when they on their perigee, when they reach uh, near uh, Earth, they kind of jump uh, with uh, space uh, sh- ships. They they came to visit Earth, and Enki was the first one. So you had a, a king, uh, you had a royal uh, lines. Uh, quite a uh, disorder because they kept fighting and uh, taking the kingship from one to the other one. But basically, we, at the time, Enki is the first one to come to uh, to Earth. Uh, Anu, uh, his father, is the king. And he sent his son, uh, firstborn, because he's a t- top scientist. And uh, they are going to come and look for gold because they're, their own... Uh, uh, ozone layer is uh, in very bad shape, and they want to spray uh, gold ions in uh, to repair their ozone layer. If Nibiru exists, as the Sumerian tablets indicate, did it always have an elliptical orbit within our solar system, or was it captured while it was? traversing space, and then every 3,600 years, uh, a Iberian year comes around. No, it was it was uh, certainly a nomad planet because they described their first entry on, on, on the very uh, far away planet, you know, the giant uh, Gezeus uh, giants. And all the descriptions they give in the tablets are very, very precise. And we were able to um, and to uh, ascertain their veracity only uh, in recent years you know, with, with the, the kind of uh, sound we have uh, sent into the cosmos. So uh, it was, first of all, they were somewhere in between solar systems uh, in f- perfect uh, space, and, and then they were attracted by the gravitation field of our solar system. So the first time they came, uh, at the beginning, they described, uh, I mean, Sitchin was the one to do the calculation uh, with the year of Anu and to t- transcribe it. Uh, and uh, 
the first uh, for a very 400,000 years because they came like 450,000 as I said and uh, they were having this uh, very elliptical orbit that uh, was uh, coming near Earth on its perigee every 3,500 years, as you just said. Uh, but very interesting question you ask me, because when uh, when the deluge happened, uh, the deluge they knew it was going to happen because uh, they had observed that uh, this time, and at the time of the deluge, of course, we had a whole Anunnaki uh, culture and civilization on Earth who had already, uh, as we know, uh, created uh, the human race. Uh, and uh, they knew uh, they were going, there was going to be some uh, enormous uh, catastrophe, like a deluge or a huge uh, uh, tsunami, and uh, etc. And uh, they had prepared themselves, uh, the Anunnaki, uh, they had prepared to either go back to Nibiru uh, for the time of the deluge or uh, stay uh, in orbit uh, while uh, all this uh, catastrophe was going on. Uh, but uh, at that point, it seems like... Uh, the catastrophe in question, which was uh, the fact that Nibiru came too near some planets on then Earth uh, and changed our, you know, huge gravitational, send a huge gravitational uh, waves, you know, that created the deluge. Uh, this uh, catastrophe change seems to have changed uh, the uh, elliptical orbit of Nibiru and changed the time of uh, the orbiting. That's what Sitchin was, uh, came as a conclusion. And, uh, I believe, uh, I believe him because this part, I, I am not uh, so confident, uh, with what I know. When you say a nomad planet, I'm just having a hard time understanding how a nomad planet without its own, its own sun or star can survive. How does that happen? Uh, uh, well, figures that uh, it's a new discovery in science, and that's why I use the name. Uh, they are called also, uh, I forgot, uh, let's keep uh, Nomad Planet, it's beautiful and nice. And uh, basically, it's only, uh, I'm sure, it's like uh, one year, I would say, uh, that we have discovered that they were, uh, the vast majority of planets are not uh, into uh, bound to a solar system and orbiting the sun of this solar system. The majority of uh, of planets that are orbiting that are not uh, small rocks, you know, like asteroid or something. No, they are real planets, and they even have moons. They can have moons. And, and they are uh, orbiting the galaxy and not uh, a sun. But if they if they come too near at one point a solar system, then they are going to be attracted by the gravitational field of this solar system. Now that's what happened. So this is very very interesting, Mel, because what's happening is that uh, at the time uh, Sitchin was starting to uh, translate correctly uh, the tablets because he understood that we had 
ancient aliens that had a very, very highly developed civilization, and they had uh, starships, and uh, uh, they could travel from uh, star to star. And, uh, and uh, at that time, uh, many, many things were not known. I mean, we're talking about the 70s or maybe the end of the 60s. And uh, it's only uh, now, uh, on, on during the life of Sitchin, many, uh, many information came, like, uh, for example, the color, the, the, the text, I mean, the composition of the atmosphere, uh, on the soul of uh, the different uh, uh, gaseous planet, and then uh, the, the planet nearest, nearest to us. And all these, uh, each time we have uncovered something like the capacity, for example, to uh, genetic engineer, uh, uh, Dolly the sheep, uh, all this, you know, has always been corroborating the information that we had uncovered in the tablets. So that's a very, very pretty high uh, indirect proof, I would say, that uh, we are talking about a real scientific uh, science that was uh, explained, you know, in the tablet. I just want to understand, Nomad Planet traversing the cosmos without any light, I wonder how, what kind of light do they have within the planet? But let's say that it came to our solar system, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did it collide with the planet used to be known as Tiamat, which is now uh, the asteroid belt, or known as the uh, what's the word that I want to use the the hammered bracelet, and also it took a chunk off. And this is one of the moons, actually, one of the moons of Nibiru that that collided with Tiamat. It's now the asteroid belt, and part of it moved, and is now planet Earth. Am I correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was. Uh, you have to understand that, of course, if it had been uh, uh, a crash uh, between uh, Nibiru, the nomad planet, and uh, on the uh, our own planet, for example, any planet, if it had been a direct crash of Nibiru itself with uh, whatever, uh, Nibiru would not exist. It would have, we wouldn't uh, either. Uh, no, we would not either. And on the and, but uh, what happened is that it's a moon of uh, Nibiru who crashed with a giant planet that was uh, at the place uh, between Mars and Saturn where we have now, and Jupiter, where we have now uh, uh, the asteroid belt. So, as you said, part of the planet uh, was uh, sent into space but started orbiting at the same ellipse at the same uh, orbit, of course, because this, those are the laws of physics. So the, all the chunks, big or small, you know, you have, uh, I don't, millions of uh, tiny, tiny uh, chunks of uh, pebbles uh, in this, uh, and bigger, bigger chunk also in this asteroid belt, and they call it hammer bracelet. Uh, and uh, a big chunk of Tiamat, this planet was called Tiamat, was uh, was uh, uh, was pushed uh, with incredible, uh, enormous uh, impact by the explosion by of part of uh, Tiamat on, on on the shock, you know, and it was it was uh, shifted to an inner, a more 
uh, inside orbit uh, towards the sun, and that's our Earth. Now, what's very interesting is that, again, something that's not uh, data that are not like uh, more than two years, I would say, two, two, two and a half years, I would say, uh, we know now uh, at least about the moon, that the moon was uh, was created at the same time as Earth by a giant um, collision of a mass that was a planetary mass that was the size of Mars and that uh, impacted on the proto-Earth, you know, on this uh, enormous collision uh, first of all, uh, created the moon. I mean, that's what science believes right now, and uh, is uh, still uh, imprinted on uh, our planet. That's also very, very interesting. But isn't the the elements found on the moon different than what it's found on Earth? Therefore, the moon was not actually related to Earth. Well, I I would not uh, I I am not cognizant enough of uh, <laughs> astrophysics uh, to tell you this. Uh, I'm not an expert uh, on this. I'm a cognitive psychologist who happened to discover incredible incredible data that are uh, absolutely essential to our collective uh, psyche as uh, human beings. Uh, uh, so I leave I leave this uh, very very pointed. Uh, question uh, to uh, to people that are that would be more uh, I mean uh, certainly uh, going very very deep into this kind of subject fair uh, enough what yes fair enough and, and yes I just trying to understand because if it's true that the Anunnaki came here to mine gold and created a slave species I'm just trying to understand if their planet Nibiru was captured by our our solar system's orbit does that mean that now that they have the influence of the UV rays from our sun, they need to protect themselves, their atmosphere? And that's why they came to Earth to protect their atmosphere with gold. And that's why they came here to create a slave species that could mine that gold for them. Gross, uh, in uh, in general, this is uh, globally, I would say this is exactly what happened. Um at the same time, when when we start uh, going back to Enki, you know, when when we we have to understand that uh, the king Anu had uh, two sons. One was uh, Enki, the firstborn, and the second one, and he, the firstborn from a concubine, and the second one was uh, going to be his uh, heir, and he was born from his uh, spouse and, and half sister, which was a custom in uh, Sumer, like we have uh, also in Egypt. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, so Enki, uh, as a head scientist, come to us, and, uh, uh, and then they, they see that they, there is a lot of gold. Yes, uh, he, found, he finds gold very quickly, and so they decide to, uh, to come uh, uh, down to Earth by groups of uh, 50. It seems like uh, only at, uh, at the perigee they could uh, jump uh, on Earth with their uh, space shift, uh, ships, and uh, 50 by 50. 
Uh, now you have to understand that uh, part of the cargo was also uh, the gold they were bringing back uh, to Nibiru. Uh, so yes, basically... Uh Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.